I want to talk about endurance tonight. I want to talk about being strong. <laughs> so um, I, I wasn't planning on this, but, but I think it'll work out well. Um, it, and uh, actually, you know, I was, I was talking with Ben just before a little bit, and it, it's, it's exactly sometimes where we want to be strong is not where our strength actually comes from. And especially in the, in the day that we're living in right now, um, there's a strength that we can get from God that's not going to be necessarily what we naturally focus on. What we focus on is getting through something, the storm. We want to get through. We want to get a, we want to have our needs met. We want to have other things done. And really our strength lies in another place that I'd like to look at tonight. And it's actually um, really the heart of God for us. That, uh, and he desires this for us, for us to make it through. The one that makes it through is the one that wins, right? And uh, <clears throat> so, beyond my, there's, a, there's a, a, an adjustment anytime, <clears throat> um, and I was thinking about this with regard to, to uh, working out. Um, somebody that's actually going to get built up and get strong, they have to adjust where their focus is. Um, they have to adjust. They have to be willing to give up this in order to get this. They have to get their focus on um, a different them that they're going to have to adjust to. And this is what happens to us when we, when we get in, into to Christ, that there's an opportunity for us to get a different focus. And, and really, our strength is going to require that. So there's a story here initially. Um, yeah, I'm going to wait on that until the end. Um, but let's, let's go to Mark uh, 6.30. There's a story uh, here. And we're familiar with, you know, the feeding of the 5,000 where, um, where uh, Jesus has all the people sit down on the, on the mountain, you know, fish, and he feeds 5,000 people. And, and what an amazing thing that was. But, but I want to kind of look at what happened going up before that. Because earlier in that chapter, it talks about how Jesus sent out, <clears throat> he sent out all these people <clears throat> to go out and minister. And um, they, they went out and they, and they healed people and they, and they really, they, they were doing the work of Jesus to a lot of people. And they came back and, and they, were, they were worn out. And Jesus recognized that. And... Um, and what I was relating to in this is, is so much of the time, even in ministry, or, and especially here at New Life Church, I, I'm thinking the, the, the focus cannot ever get off of what it needs to be on. Um, because there's something on the other side of our weariness, on our, our opportunity to look at ourselves, that's a God thing. And the, the focus has to remain in the right place. So I was looking at this story just a little bit differently. Uh, I was actually reading this this morning, and, and um, oh boy, I might need your help, guys. Um, all right, I'll just let you do it for me. Um, <clears throat> so this, I'm not even going to read the part where he, he feeds the 5,000. I will look at this part right here. It says, then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all the things, both what they had done and what they had taught. <clears throat> so y you can imagine, here, here's... Here's these, these disciples of Jesus, and they, 
you know, they didn't go to Bible school. They, they were actually fishermen, right? They were or, or people that were, you know, secular people. You know, they, they weren't really educated in all this. And, and, um, and Jesus sends them out. He says, hey, you're the, you're the man. <laughs> go do it, right? And so they go out, and they're actually teaching people. They don't have the New Testament. They don't, <laughs> they don't have a bunch of stuff. They're, they're just sharing what Jesus has shared to them, right? And, and in the process, you can imagine that they could, they could, they could become self-focused. It could become a challenge. I'm sure they ran into challenges that they didn't know how to. They're rookies, you know? <laughs> so anyway, they come back, and they're, and they're telling Jesus all these things that they had done, right? And he says to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. And you're thinking, yeah, we'll just chill. We'll just, we'll uh, binge out on some Netflix and we'll just flesh out a little bit. I had some friends in ministry that used to, used to actually say that. Well, we just need to flesh out. We just need to just relax. But actually Jesus is acknowledging that. And, he, and, and Jesus, so much of the time, he was, he was encumbered in his flesh, or he had, he had his flesh that he was dealing with, and he's actually being accused, he's having things coming against him, and you would think, yes, let's just rest, let's just take this time to rest, but the people, okay, let's see where, where I am here, um, for there are many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat, so they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But what happened was everybody saw where they were going, right? And they get to where they think they're going to be able to rest. And all these people show up. And it's getting towards the end of the day and everybody's getting hungry. And, and so the disciples, they were in rest mode. They were in, it's, I just need a little me time. I need, I need to focus on me right now. And, uh, and Jesus said no, because Jesus' focus was in a different place. His focus was always about the kingdom. He said no, have them sit. He said no, you feed them. And they're saying, right. This isn't going to happen. And so they all sit down, and, and Jesus was all about keeping the people there for one thing and then caring for them. And from that, he was going to be able to, to have a teaching about bread, right? But what I got from this is, you know what? There was an opportunity for there to be a self-focus, right, during this time. And because Jesus kept the focus on the people, it made an opportunity for the power of God to have one of the greatest demonstrations of a miracle just because he kept his focus in the right place. Um, so let's go on to this next one. wish this thing was working. All right. Let me try it one more time. Can I try it one more time? And everybody said, try it one more time. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Let's see if we can get it to connect this time. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's go to Proverbs 2, uh, 24, 10. <clears throat> so what I, what I saw happening in this is there were, there were two different levels of strength with regard to what is going to be a, a strength 
source that I want to look at tonight. And the difference was Jesus and the disciples. And, and the, reason why, <clears throat> the reason why Jesus was able to see this situation differently is because he was prepared in his strength. It, it doesn't, it's, it's, it's a dangerous thing to, to uh, feel like you're going to be strong. Uh, have you ever attempted to do something and, and all of a sudden you found out you didn't have enough strength for it? That maybe you had before? And you thought, where did all my strength go? And it's because you weren't being prepared in the meantime. And the thing that Jesus was doing is he was, he was being prepared all the time. And we'll see what, what, what prepared him in his strength is very critical. So here in Proverbs 24, 10, it says, if you fail under pressure, your strength is too small. <clears throat> so what I'm seeing in this is, man, don't wait until the time of pressure to get strong. I want to get strong now. And I think it's one of the biggest deceptions that the enemy can have is I'm just going to say a confession. I'm just going to have a, I'm just going to imagine that I'm strong. And it actually, there's some actual exercises that we'll see that, that, that we can do that develop our strength so that in the time of difficulty, and we're going to see that Jesus actually prophesies that, that, that we'll have things that we're going to have to go through. Anybody going through anything right now? <laughs> and sometimes when we're going through, when we're going through stuff, <laughs> uh, the temptation is to, to, it's not that we're just wanting to rest, but we're wanting to take care of us. And God says there's another focus that we can have in the kingdom that will actually enable our strength in every other area of our life, okay? But, it, but we're going to have to deal with that. So let's look here. Uh, what is the adjustment of focus? We've talked about that, where there's going to have to be an adjustment of focus if you're going to be able to get strong. You're going to have to say, no longer am I a fat so on the couch. I'm somebody that doesn't just munch everything that I want to eat. I'm going to start adjusting something because I have a vision of where I want to be. I want to be strong. I want to be ready at the time when there's adversity, right? So what is the adjustment of focus that enables the development of strength? And so, you know, in other areas, there's things that you can do. You need to be strong mentally. If you're going to be a, uh, you know, a brain surgeon, it's kind of good that you, you know, practice on some monkeys or something, you know. <laughs> you, want to, you want to be sure you're... <laughs> So, but I'm not, I'm, not off, I'm not volunteering to be the first one that they practice on. Oh, um, <clears throat> But Nehemiah 8.10, it was in fellowship of God's word that joy was experienced. So there's a word in here that I want to look at that I think is that, that God provides for us. <clears throat> and, it, and it has to do with fellowship. But there's a, there's a scripture out of, out of Nehemiah. And what had happened in Nehemiah was the children of Israel... They had been given the scriptures, and the scripture, the law was given to them not to, just, not to just make them slaves, but to actually keep them in fellowship with God. That David said, man, I, I love your law because it's opportunity to know you. And, you know, when it's just, a, when it's just a, a, a do's and a don'ts, then you're just a slave. But David wasn't a friend. He, he was the friend of God, wasn't he? He, had the, the, he was the man after God's own heart. And it was because of the law. Well, what happened is they had lost the scriptures. They had gotten to where they weren't even referring to the, to the scriptures at all. But boy, when they discovered them, all of a sudden their, their hearts became grieved. And they said, uh-oh, 
We're, we're out of fellowship with God that has set us apart from the rest of the world. We're out of fellowship with him. And not only that, but according to what this says, we are to be condemned. But God came back and he didn't say, he said, no, I'm not condemning you. What is wonderful about this right now is that you're discovering that you can be with me through this. Don't let it be something that causes you to draw back. He said, let it, let it cause you to have fellowship. But look how he, how he does this. So, and Nehemiah continued and said, go. So they're all mourning and they're saying, ah, we're, we're dead now. You know, God's going to strike us dead now. And he said, no, don't do that. He said, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before, the, uh, before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. How many know the joy of the Lord is your strength? I mean, that's something we like to, we like to confess that. But I want to look at, it's not enough for me to say, okay, I'm just going to joy in the Lord. How, how does God provide that joy? And you know, <laughs> Hayden is a good example of this for me because he gets his joy around uh, uh, from being with people I've experienced. Um, and I don't know if, you, if you've experienced that before too, but it's, it's like I, I, uh, I talked to my dad yesterday. My, my dad, he's 89 now, you know, and, and <laughs> so I was kind of, you know, I, I, I can kind of be, you know, you're kind of cruising through the day, you know. Um, I thought, I'm just going to, I'm going to give dad a call, check on a couple things. And my dad, just being with my dad on the phone, it just changed my whole perspective of the day. Have you ever had somebody that, it's like you're going through something and all you do is talk to somebody. You don't have to necessarily be in the same room, but, but you're with them. And I'm telling you what, he, he told me some stories I'd never heard of before. Um, I, told, I told him how, how, you know, my wife was in, in Paris. He said, oh, when she gets back, she'll have to sing this song about Paris. And he starts singing it in a high lady's voice, you know. <laughs> and he starts telling me about some, some, uh, some, some lady in this gymnasium when he was like 14. He said, I laughed out loud. She was walking around. You know, they had some kind of event they were doing. She's walking around acting like she's real. He said, she went off somewhere and thought she could sing really well. She starts singing in this opera voice. She said, I couldn't help it. I just started laughing out. And he's telling me these things. And, he, and the way he's telling them, it's just, I haven't laughed so hard in such a long time in it. It was because I was with my dad, you know? And, and I saw this, the joy of the Lord is your strength in a little bit different way. He didn't just say, hang out with me. He said, the joy of the Lord is going to be something that you actually practice when you celebrate together. It's about being with other people. There's a reason why, you know, uh, they don't want us to be together. <laughs> it's because this is where our strength lies. And it, it's a reality. And, and, and this is what, if this is so true, this is what the enemy's going to want to do is to separate us. 
He's going to want to. He's going to want to say, "No, you can't be together." And and this is what he always does. If he's going to destroy your soul, he's going to separate you from those that would make you to be strong. Right? Let's go down. Just uh, let's see. That was um, just a, a couple verses. To the twelfth verse, it says, "So the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal." He said, "So so don't mourn." For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, here is how to have that joy. You see that? Had you ever looked at it that way? I hadn't until, until I was seeing it in this context, okay? And to celebrate with great joy because they had heard God's words and understood them. Isn't that amazing? So what they did when they heard God's words, it wasn't just hearing God's words. They were hearing the heart of God that he wasn't there just to destroy them. He wanted to have relationship with them. And when they celebrated that together, they were communing with God together. That's what God wants. He doesn't want to just have a one-on-one. -on -one. He wants to have this. Even what we're doing tonight, acknowledging God's presence, this is a, this is a father's heart. But it's not just the father's heart. He says, this is where you get your strength. So this is, this is what the enemy's going to want to do is to try to keep this from happening in us. <laughs> How many have been challenged in that? Yeah. So let's, let's go to Acts 2.28. All right. It's presence that produces true joy. So this is why he said the joy of the Lord is your strength. Celebrate together. You can't see me, but you can see each other. When we celebrate together, we're actually entertaining the presence of God. <laughs> and there's joy in that that's to be had. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of what? Your presence. Now, we've kind of been talking about this on Sundays, haven't we? The last couple of weeks. It's the presence of God that we actually get strength from. Now, it'll be in his word like it was in Nehemiah there. So it's, it's not like we just, oh, I don't have to have the word of God anymore. <laughs> I just have his presence. No, we get his presence through his word. It's, it's like um, until I talk to my dad and hear his funny stories, I don't really experience my dad. I can't just call him up on the phone and, and we just kind of breathe on the phone, you know. <laughs> we can't just breathe on the phone together. I, I have to hear what he has to say. And then I experience him. But I can't just, I can't just read his words. I have to experience him. See that? Uh, and so Acts, Acts here, there, he's actually, he's quoting David, right? And this is, this is what's so amazing about David is, is he, he never really saw God, yet he wrote all these psalms about knowing God. He said, I, I have the fullness of joy in your presence. So this presence is going to be a key for us. If we're going to be strong, if we're going to be strong in the day of adversity, and I don't believe this is just um, about just spiritual things, I think it becomes a strength for us in every way of our life, okay? So let's go to Luke 5, uh, 15, 10. 
hey, this is working again. Y'all did a good job declaring it's, it's working, right? Luke 15, 10. <clears throat> so this, I saw this as kind of, a lot of times, <laughs> I don't relate to this completely, but when I was growing up, there was always the uh, publisher's clearinghouse, you know? I, I don't know if everybody remembers that or not, but, um, and, and, you know, they'd show somebody, they'd show up at the door and they say, you on the publisher's clearinghouse. And, oh, they start doing backflips and they start getting all, you know, this is where my joy comes from when I, get, when I win the lottery or, you know, something like that. And it's like, when God is going to impart a, a way for us to be strong in his joy, it's not going to be through material things. It's going to be through what the currency of heaven is. So there's, there was a, um, there's a parable that Jesus was telling about a lady that lost one of her 10 valuable coins. And she did everything she could do to find that one coin. Uh, and when she found it, she, there was great rejoicing. It's like, that's kind of a simple story. And yet, in the end, it says here, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels, when even one sinner repents. Isn't that cool? So if we're going to, the connection is joy. Joy's in presence. But that's because God values every one of us so very highly. Not just to, to put us somewhere and leave us there by ourselves, but to be together. Amen? All right, let's go to uh, Hebrews 12, 1. So, you know, my mom just passed away recently, and, and um, I had this experience praying for her before because there was like a month or so that I, I'm, I'm just praying in the spirit, and I'm down here, and I can't be close to her, you know, and so, so I'm, and it's amazing how we are spirit beings. We, uh, you know, we have these bodies, we get so consumed with these bodies and so identified with these bodies, but we are really spirit beings. And we can actually, the spirit realm isn't as confined as the natural realm. And so what I found is when I'm, when I'm praying for, for mom, I'm experiencing communion with her in the spirit. And in Hebrews, he, he goes through here and, he's, and he tells in the previous chapter, he's telling about all these, these um, heroes of faith. People that did amazing things in faith. And then he gets to the 12th chapter and he says, now we are surrounded with all these. It's like we have this fellowship in the spirit with people that have even gone before us. That my mom even. <laughs> so this is kind of the context of where we get to in, 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 the, in the first verse here of the 12th chapter. He says, therefore, we also, he's been talking about all these heroes of faith, but he says, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with what? Endurance, right? The race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand 
of the throne of God. So, I'm thinking about, um, I'm thinking about Jesus. He's, he's our example in this, right? He said, since we have all these people around us now, we're not alone. Our strength is coming from our, de- our identity with those that have gone before us, with those that are around us now, right? He says, so we look to Jesus, and what was Jesus doing on the way to the cross? What was the joy that was set before him? We just saw what the currency of heaven is. The joy that comes from heaven is souls. It's people. <laughs> it's not how much you make off the clothes. <laughs> it's how much you're helping people. It's what, you know, what you're contributing. What, what difference are you actually making? And that's actually what, what Jesus was seeing was, was not him being exalted. It was people. And I thought, what people? The very people that are beating him. The very people that are denying him. The very people that are rejecting him. That takes strength. That takes joy. Joy doesn't just come from a good joke. Joy comes from a strength inside that's been prepared ahead of time. So when I'm looking at Jesus, I'm not just looking at him on the way to the cross. I'm looking at him every day he was on this earth. He was developing in a joy that comes from love. A joy that is going to lay down your life for somebody that is very unlovable. <laughs> right? And again, what are we talking about? We're, we're talking about having endurance for anything in this life. It's going to come from a character thing on the inside that we can get from God. That's based upon presence that, that we get our joy from. That gives our strength. Amen? So it's going to be in, in, in God's presence, but Hebrews says it's with each other too, right? Okay, let's go to, 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 um, to 2 Corinthians 2. <clears throat> so Paul refers to this. You know, I, I, how many been reading along with us in, uh, in our Bible reading every day? And uh, I don't know if you... <laughs> I've been getting a, I'm getting a fresh uh, perspective on, on how vulnerable Paul makes himself to be, you know, before all these people, and, and how, how like he says, I lay my life down for you. I, I I care about you. I get my joy from from thinking about you. I'm thinking, this isn't Paul just like being weird. This is actually a revelation of where he's getting his strength from. This is a God thing. That I'm thinking, man, I need to nurture some of this myself. If I'm gonna, <laughs> if I'm gonna get the strength that is available to me in God, I'm gonna have to develop in actually loving people that might not love me. And getting joy from that. Right? So Paul here he says. That is why I wrote you as I did. So he was, ha- he was having to correct. He was having to like come down on him a little bit. And he said, man, I wrote you as I did. He said, I don't like it. I don't like it because I want you to be happy and joyful because that's where I get my joy. Isn't that interesting? Paul, he's the guy that had all the revelation about who Jesus is. And yet he said, I'm getting my joy from you. Isn't that interesting? That is why I wrote you as I did, so that when I do come, I won't be grieved by the very ones 
who ought to give me the greatest joy. So Paul's getting his joy from these people? Yeah. Because that's the currency of heaven. That's where the joy of heaven comes from, is people. Isn't that ama amazing? And I, I believe this is how God's designed for us to be strong, is to lose our focus off of ourselves and actually get it on somebody else to the point that we despise the shame. That's what Jesus did, right, on the way to the cross. Despising the shame. So, it's not about me. You can't make me feel bad because my focus is elsewhere. You can't get me to eat a Snickers because I'm going to be a He-Man. I don't know, I guess you can eat Snickers. But whatever you're not supposed to eat. <laughs> okay. All right. I guess you can eat anything. All right. Um, so, so again, in Timothy, and this is, I think this is our reading. I got, the, I got the chapters mixed up. Anybody knows that? Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for those. <laughs> I had the second chapter before the first chapter, and I got them straightened out anyway. So this was today's reading, which should have been yesterday's. Um, he said, I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. This guy is sappy, isn't he? But man, he's strong. And he's able to let go of what could appear to be like a, a great ministry that was built around who he was and go and put himself in chains for the sake of people that God told him he's going to be able to touch. That takes strength. Amen? All right, let's go. Let's go to uh, 2 Timothy 2. Uh, sowing and reaping of the word produces a harvest of joy in those that are transformed. So this is a little bit this is a little bit deeper, but in it and it kind of sounds like it, oh that's Timothy. He's the he's he's the rookie uh, you know minister guy. That's why Paul's talking to him. But I believe this is for all of us. And you can see that there's gonna be a that there's gonna be a source of joy and, and endurance that we can get that'll help us to go through something. It's it's like uh, I don't know. We've we've had it. I'd get in trouble. My wife is is born three children, but I was there too. <laughs> and I and I kind of know what you're supposed to do. You know, you're supposed to focus on something else, aren't you? It's like unless you got that epidural, then you can just do whatever you want. You know, it's like eat pizza and, and tell jokes and watch whatever you want to watch. Um, but if you're if you're gonna get through that 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 pain, if you're gonna get through, you're gonna have to focus on something else, right? And this is an incredibly powerful thing that is tied directly to this new life that we got in Christ. It's not about the stuff we're going through anymore. But there has to be this development, and I think it's really cool how how Paul kind of gives us these clues that he's not he's not in change yet necessarily, or he might uh, yeah he's not in change yet when he's talking to to, to Timothy here. He says because I'm going to see you, I'm going to go, I'm going to come and see you, right? Um, and yet he's developing. He, he's he's like exercising in this source of joy that's that comes from heaven. That's going to allow him to be able to do like Jesus did. 
is to go all the way to the cross, his own cross. All the disciples did that, didn't they? I mean, even, even John, was, he was burnt with, he was boiled in oil. He didn't die, but I mean, I mean they, they, they were able to do that kind of a thing. And I'm thinking, man, how do you do that? Well, when you lose yourself, you lose your focus on yourself. You can bear a baby in it. Well, I'm sure it hurts, but <laughs> you get through it, right? Because <laughs> you're focused elsewhere. <laughs> so this is talking about the heart that we can get is, is now my purpose in life isn't just to, to, to take care of my family and to, to make money and to develop things. No, my purpose is, has been given a higher thing. There, there's a kingdom purpose. And this is, this is where God wants to take us, that, that my personal development in God is going to enable somebody else's discovery of God. And that should make me happy. Right? Okay. 2 Timothy 2, 1. And I'm just going to read. I got a few of them to read here, so I'll go through them. You therefore, son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So, so you got a, you got a reason for living now. You're going to impart the truth to somebody else. But what is the reason for that? So that you can be noticed as a great teacher? So that people can say, wow, that was a great message? No, so they can be changed. So they can wear, wear some really cool clothes that you designed, right? Okay, all right. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So you're gonna have to endure something to, to, to get, what are you enduring it for, though? No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. So what I saw there in that one phrase I thought was interesting is he said, you know what, when you, when you discipline yourself for this, you're going to get a reward. And then he says, this, you, you, a good farmer is not going to be kept from the rewards of it. And I saw in this, you know, when, when, we're, when we're disciplined the way he's talking about, he said, you're going to get to enjoy the harvest itself. I thought, how do you enjoy the harvest? Well, you get joy from people being transformed. You're not going to be kept from that. That's a good promise. You know, there's all these promises that tell us about ourselves. And it's, but this is saying, you know what? You're not going to be kept from the harvest. That harvest is people being transformed. Until this is actually where, where our, our focus is, is reset to, we're, we're going to be disappointed in other things that we thought God was supposed to be doing in our life. Because our focus really isn't in the right place. Can you see that? And there's an opportunity in this, and especially this is what's wonderful about a, a church body, is we have opportunities to, like Jesus, love people that aren't lovable. And actually care for, and actually intentionally get joy from being able to be who we are around them. Does that make sense? Okay, let's go to James. James 1. 2 through 4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. 
great joy. Okay, and I know there's other ways of, of, of nurturing joy, but in the context of what we're looking at here, he said, where do, where do we get the greatest joy? From presence. So when you're going through something, I can see in a, in a, in a practical way, when I'm going through something, what can I do? I can call my dad. You know what I mean? That's why, you know, we, we have men we're going to meet tomorrow, our, our men's group. It should be that if you're going through something, you don't just go through it yourself and feel defeated and weakened in it. But no, you count it joy. How do you count it joy? You take the thing that God has provided for us in presence to become strengthened. And it's actually rewarding for somebody else that's there to be that for you when you reach out to them for that. Does that make sense? There's an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. That sounds like you, you've gotten some strength. You've developed some endurance. Okay, where does that endurance come comes from presence, doesn't it? Comes from joy in that presence. Makes us able because our focus is now in a different place. Does that make sense? <laughs> All right. Let's go to uh, Matthew 24, 10. The strength for endurance in the end is the joy of love. So Jesus is talking about her. He's saying, you know what? In the in the the end times. I believe we're we're kind of in this now. Uh, it would seem. You know, when I was a kid, there was a lot of things going on that were saying, "Man, Jesus is coming right now. It's getting to the end." Man, there's so much that's happened since then. This mark of the beast thing, you know, where you won't be able to to buy or sell. I don't know if you've been noticing, but they're trying to get us off cash altogether. And all the next step to that is if you don't believe what we believe. If you don't take a vaccination, if you don't, if you don't agree in all of our social definitions, then you just don't get to have money, period, because all your money won't be worth it. I mean, that's very, it's very close. And, and, and the, way, the way the whole script is going now, it, it can change. You know, we've got an election coming up and things can kind of swing back for a while. But according to what Jesus is saying, isn't this amazing that he's saying this stuff like clear back then? is that there's going to be a time when we're, we're going to have to be strong. There'll be a time when everybody, we might not just get to drive down the street like we, you know, and all this freedom that we've enjoyed in America that's been bought by the blood of those who have gone before us. But anyway, let me just read what he's saying here. It says, and many will turn away from me. What, what is happening in that? There's a, there's a separation of presence, isn't there? <laughs> and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one. So, so it's saying this is what's happening, but it says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So it's almost like saying, if you're part of the ones that their love's getting cold and Peter, people are hating each other, it correlates that to not enduring, right? 
said, if that's what we're doing, if we're getting caught up in that at all, if we're, if we're, if we're in an attitude of being offended by people and rejecting people and, and canceling people <laughs> and all this kind of stuff, what does it say? It says, you're not enduring. It says, but if you do endure to the end, if you don't do those things, isn't that interesting? Can you see it in the context that we're looking at here? Because what is all that? That's separation. It's not being bond, bonded together. It's not loving people. What does it take to love somebody? In a marriage, in a marriage, it's, it's when things aren't going right, when, when, when somebody's letting you down, when, when you feel like you've been rejected or, or, or they've even not been faithful to you, right? It's when you say, no, I've committed to you, and that's what love is, is it's a commitment from my side that's not changing, right? And what is the purpose of that? To stay together. Because there's strength in unity. There's strength in being bonded together, right? It says, but if you endure to the end, right? Let's see, where am I? And, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. What is the good news? That's that Jesus loved us so much that he came down when we're really ugly and not even liking him, and he in the strength of desiring our presence, laid down his life for us. So Galatians 5.22. I just wanted to end with this because what, what we are as a spirit and what we get in God is it's just his presence that produces fruit. Jesus said, I can tell who your father is because of how you're acting. It's fruit that comes out of you that you can't help but produce. You will produce this if that's what you're connected to. He says, but the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, and it's interesting, there's, there's nine of these, but, but the first two, what are they? Love and joy. When you have love, you're going to be united. It's going to be a... It's going to be about being with. You can't have love all by yourself. <laughs> you can't be an island and have love. You have to be with. And that's why Jesus laid down his life, so that we could be with, that we could be together, right? But then what is the very next thing that comes with love is joy. And that's where you get your enduring ability. Amen? That's what we get in him. So I just want to end with one thing here. Um, anybody uh, see that movie? Um, oh, what was it called? Uh, Hack, Hack, what is it? Hacksaw Ridge. There we go. Yeah. Um, Desmond um, Das. Desmond Das. I'm just going to read this citation. So this guy, he was just a private, and he. Uh, he was drafted in, into the military, but he refused to carry a gun. Refused to, to, because his focus was different. He said, I can't shoot somebody because I want them to be saved. He believed in God. See, he had such a heart for that that it caused him not to even consider himself at all. And he saved hundreds of people. As a result of it, 
because he didn't consider himself at all. I just saw this as, a, as an amazing story in itself, but kind of like an inspiration. For, this is where God wants to take us to. Where there's something he wants us to be able to go through, to make it through, and we'll make it through, and we'll be, we'll be successful, we'll be strong if our focus is in the right place. And I thought, man, this guy, all the time when he's, when he's enduring this unimaginable physical challenge, and I'm going to read this, <laughs> when, he's, when he's enduring all this, how is he able to do this? It's because his focus is on caring about somebody else more than himself. And it caused him to be so, so amazingly strong. So this is actually um, uh, a citation he received from the president. I'm just going to read it here. It says, Private First Class Desmond T. Doss, United States Army Medical Detachment, 307th Infantry, 77th uh, Infantry Division near Urasoa, Mura, Okinawa, Urikyu Islands, 29th of April, 29th of May, 1945. He was a company aid man when the 1st Battalion assaulted a jagged escarpment 400 feet high. You want to put that up there? They have a picture of that. So that was, anybody see that movie? It's pretty amazing. Yeah, that, that must just be like the very top because they said it was 400 feet high. Um, okay, I need to go back to, the, <laughs> to where I was there. Um, okay. As our troops gained the summit... A heavy concentration of artillery, mortar, and machine gun fire crashed into them, inflicting approximately 75 casualties and driving the others back. Private First Class Doss refused to seek cover and remained in the fire-swept area with the many stricken, carrying them one by one to the edge of the escarpment and then lowering them on a rope-supported litter down the face of a cliff to friendly hands. On the 2nd of May... He exposed himself to heavy rifle and mortar fire in rescuing a wounded man 200 yards forward of the lines on the same escarpment. And two days later, he treated four men who had been cut down while assaulting a strongly defended cave, advancing through a shower of grenades to within eight yards of enemy forces in a cave's mouth, where he dressed his, uh, his comrades' wounds before making four separate trips under fire to evacuate them to safety. On the 5th of May, he unhesitatingly braved enemy shelling and small arms fire to assist an artillery officer. He applied bandages, moved his patient to a spot that offered protection from small arms fire, and while artillery and mortar shells fell close by, painstakingly administered plasma. Later that day, when an American was severely wounded by fire from a cave, Private First Class Doss crawled to him where he had fallen 25 feet from the enemy position, rendered aid, and carried him 100 yards to safety while continually exposed to enemy fire. On the 21st of May, in a night attack on high ground near Shuri, he remained in exposed territory while the rest of his company took cover, fearlessly risking the chance that he would be mistaken for an infiltrating Japanese and giving aid to the injured until he was him, he himself was seriously wounded in the legs by an explosion of a grenade. Rather than call another aid man from, from cover, he cared for his own injuries 
and waited five hours before litter bearers reached him and started carrying him to cover. The trio was caught in an enemy uh, tank attack, and Private First Class Doss, seeing a more critically wounded man nearby, crawled off the litter and directed the bearers to give his, their first attention to the other man. Awaiting the litter bearer's return, he was again struck, this time suffering a compound fracture of one arm. With magnificent fortitude, he bound a rifle stock to his shattered arm as a splint and then crawled 300 yards over rough terrain to the aid station. Through his outstanding bravery and unflinching determination in the face of desperately dangerous conditions, Private First Class uh, Doss saved the lives of many soldiers. His name became a symbol throughout the 77th Infantry Division for outstanding gallantry, far above and beyond the call of duty. He got the Medal of Honor, and he never fired a shot. Isn't that amazing? And I'm thinking, what an inspiration. What was going through his head? How was he able to do this? And his focus was always in the right place. I'm thinking, what an inspiration for us. What a, what, what a potential we have to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. But how is that going to be? It's not going to be just us. It's always going to be in fellowship, rejoicing together with others. And that requires a loss of self. Amen. What the enemy wants to do, he wants to make us think about ourselves, what we're going through. And, and God comes along and he says, you know, if you'll get yourself off, focus off yourself for just a minute, there's a strength that I will give you that will buoy you up, enable you to be strong. Endure it and be victorious. And somebody else's life is going to be, be the benefit of it. The, 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 the joy is going to come in the harvest of others. Amen. Father, we thank you.